What's up, everyone? Welcome to Impact Church Online. My name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here. If this is your very first time tuning in, how about giving us a thumbs up? Or if you call Impact Church your church home, giving us a heart. Hey, we really miss you guys and love you guys. If you need anything, don't hesitate to give us a call or send us a message. Now, I'm not going to take up any more of your time, so let's join our live service. Burn with the flame of fire consuming all for your son's holy name. And with the heavens we declare, you are our king. We love you, Lord. We worship. 
Father, we just love you. We worship you. You are good, mighty God. Lord, we're in all of your presence. We're in all of your presence, Father God. And we bow our hearts, we bow our knees to you this morning in, in just worship of you. And God, we just ask for your presence to fill this place, to fill the airways. Lord, we ask for to fill every home, every every living room, every car, every cell phone, whatever mode of, of, of observation might be used. God, just fill it with your presence and your anointing. Touch the hearts and lives of every person, Father God, even those that are listening today and those that will be listening in the future and watching. Father, we're just so appreciative. We just can't say thank you enough for all that you do for us, for your faithfulness, for your faithfulness, for your favor, for your healing power, for your deliverance. God, we're so appreciative. We're so just so appreciative. We cannot say thank you enough. God, we just ask for you to be honored today. Every word, every song, every prayer. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. And before we begin, we will, this is the first Sunday of May, and as our custom is, we want to take communion. And we do communion just in remembrance of the incredible work that was done for us on the cross. And I hope you have your elements available. Actually, I'm going to give you a minute or two to get your elements. And there's a lot of different things that people use for communion. One time we were up in, and I think it was in um, in the mountains somewhere, and uh, we wanted, just had the urge to do communion, and all we had was potato chips and water, I think, or something. And anyway, we did communion with potato chips. It's, it's what's in the heart. But we were remembering the incredible work that Christ did for us. And as we think about the bread that represents the broken, the beaten body for Christ, what He did for us, that by His stripes we are healed, by His stripes we are delivered. And as we partake of the bread, I want you to break your bread, representing the broken body of Christ. God, I just want to say how thankful we are for what you did for us. Lord, we declare healing. We declare life. We declare deliverance, Father God. And Lord, there may be some watching out today and in this room even today, the small number we have in this room, Father, that need healing in their bodies or their extended families. Father, we thank you, God, that you're the Lord God who heals. And we declare life, health, and wholeness in Jesus' mighty name. Let's partake of the bread. Thank you, Father God. We bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And then it says, after Jesus took the bread, he also took the cup. And the cup represents the blood of Jesus. The juice represents the blood of Jesus that was that ran down the cross. It is still flowing today. It's still just as powerful today. It still saves the lost. It still does supernatural wonders in a, in a person's life. It still brings transformation. God, we're just so thankful for the blood that was shed for us. Thank you, God, for the remission of sins of mankind. Thank you, God, because of your spotless lamb, your perfect lamb. So, God, we take this juice now representing the blood of our Lord and Savior and just say thank you, God, for what you have done in the mighty name of Jesus. Let's partake of the juice. Lord, we're so thankful. Where would we be, Lord, without you? Where would we be without the cross? 
Without the cross, there is no church. Without the cross, there is no faith. Without the cross, there is no resurrection. We're so thankful, Father God. And we just bless you. We bless every person watching in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We also want to, as is our custom, pray. We're a house that prays. We believe in prayer. And I've invited Chris and Donna Lizchek to join us in prayer. They are prayer warriors. They're ordained ministers of the church. They're incredible intercessors. And they know how to connect with God. And I've asked them to come. And I want them to pray for our city, our nation, our schools, whatever the Lord puts upon their heart to pray. Good morning, everybody. Welcome, Impact family. Visitors, guests, a beautiful Sunday morning, month five of the new normal. Let's make this new normal seeking God first. Yes. yes. So we thank you, God, for an incredible day. We thank you, God, for an incredible worship. Our Savior King. We owe you so much for this amazing nation. We thank you for everything that you're bringing us through. We thank you for states that are getting ready to open up. A shift has occurred. People have been praying. Thank you, God. Lord Jesus, hallelujah. Father. We just lay it all before you today. We thank you for what you're doing in our country. We thank you, God, for the leaders that are are trying to find a way. We thank you, God, for the, the new solidarity among parties where everything's been so difficult, slinging mud. Yes. It's time to settle in for some healing to begin. Yes. Why we've been isolated, quarantined. Now they're saying there's a food shortage. We speak to that in Jesus' name. Father, you send down manna from heaven. We call upon your name. We thank you, God, that we just look to the cross for the precious blood that was shed for us. So, God, we lift up our leaders of this nation. We ask you, God, to make the best decisions. Father, there's going to be people crossing over into different states and expressing themselves and, and, and trying to get back to what was lost in the past couple of months. So, God, keep us safe. Keep us out of harm's way. And we thank you and praise you. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. It is a beautiful, beautiful, sunny Sunday. And we thank the Lord for it. We thank Him for the simple things. We thank Him for the sky. We thank Him for the sunshine. We thank Him for the warmth. We thank Him for His presence. God, we love that presence. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be in a church, to be, Father, like minded to find unity with others, Lord. And even in our homes, Lord, we know that there are others who think just like we do. Father, we thank you. 
that this is a nation that is surrounded by you. Father, we thank you that this is a land, a nation, Lord, that your hand is on. Father, we thank you for the inheritance that you have left us. God, we thank you that our thoughts will be kept on you. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for all that you have provided for us and all that you will continue to provide for those, Father, who keep their minds on you. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Father, we thank you that no matter what the enemy has taken away, no matter what he has stolen, Father, will be returned 100-fold. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that the nations will not collapse, will not fall. Father, for this is a land that you have built. For these are people, Father, in leadership, Father. You are calling forth the leaders, the godly leaders, Father, whose counsel is directed with you. Father, that they seek the wisdom, the mercy, and the grace, Father, from you. Father, I thank you that you are visiting each member, Father. Our governors, our mayors, our president, Father, all those in leadership, whether they're pastors of churches or beyond. Father, I thank you. You visit them in their dreams and their visions, Lord. You are speaking to each one of them. Father, you will direct their ways. Their paths will be straight. And this will be a great nation whose hearts are set on God. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for bringing families together. I thank you, Father, that your love is abound in these nations. Father, I thank you we are above and not beneath. The victory, Father, has already been brought forward. Father, you alone, you alone, God, have already won the victory for us. Father, we thank you for the end of the coronavirus. We thank you for the end of fear, Father. We thank you, Father, that we have a media. But, Father, we thank you for truth. We thank you for truth, Father, that this virus is coming to an end right now in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that you're the immaculate, incredible, beyond all we can imagine, healer. Yes. And, Father, for those who have been sick, I thank you that you will meet them right where they are, Father. That your loving arms will be wrapped around them and they will be healed in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father. You're bringing forth that healing right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. I thank you, Father, for healing. Father, I thank you for visiting those who have been alone. Father, I thank you that your presence is known in the homes. That one neighbor invites another neighbor. That one family gets to know the other family. Father, we follow the rules of ten or less. But in the midst of this, Father, we still get together. We speak your name. We learn your word. And we declare the truth. In Jesus alone. It's in Jesus alone. There is one God, one King. Our Father in heaven. We humble ourselves, Father, and we repent for the ways we have walked, for the things we have said, for the lies we have believed. Forgive us, Father. Today, God, is a new day. We thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for your love, Father. 
We thank you, Father, that we're going to come out of this stronger than ever before, and America will be looked upon as a nation whose hand, whose hand was from the Father above only. Yes. That this is a land, a nation that believes in God. One God. One God. Yes. We thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for the cross. Thank you for the sacrifices that have already been made for us. There is no God like our God. We thank you for healing in the nations, Lord. We thank you for healing our economy. We thank you for healing the sick. We thank you, Father, that you are healing brokenness. Father, that you are healing families. That you are healing, Father, the school systems. You are healing the lost, Father. You are healing those who feel forgotten. Those who feel like you don't even know their name, but you do, God. You know every tear that they have shed. I thank you, God, you are visiting each one of them. I thank you, Lord, that they hear the call and they answer it. And in their sleep, Lord, they're whispering, Jesus, Jesus, you are my God. You alone, Lord, I will serve. You alone, Lord, are the most high. Thank you, Father. I thank you, Father, for this new day. I thank you, Father. Oh, Lord, I thank you for the little precious ones. We're praying for their parents, praying for their grandparents. Praying for their friends. Lord, I thank you that your word promises that we would do things even greater. God, I thank you for the anointing that you are resting on those who receive it. Yes. Lord, that wherever they walk, the anointing follows. And when they walk in the room, Father, the enemy flees. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. There's a new purity coming across this nation. Thank you, God. A new wholeness, Lord. And it's all because of Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for this new day. Thank you, Father. We praise your name and exalt you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hey there again. Just a few announcements for you. We wanted to stay connected with you throughout the week. So we've created a schedule so you have the opportunity to engage. So first is our prayer on Tuesday mornings. It's at 7 a.m. via the phone. To find the login information, just simply go to our Facebook page or you can give us a call. Second is our Wednesday night live at 6 p.m. You do not want to miss it. Third, is our Young Adults live on Facebook. Fourth, is Impact Kids Online uploaded to our YouTube page. Fifth, Impact Youth going live on IG and Facebook at 6 p.m. And sixth, is our Saturday night prayer at 6 p.m. via the Hey, another thing is I was asked this question, 
how can I give to Impact Church? Well, that's a great question because you know what? We have two options for you. The first option is you can mail your check-in to the address below or, everyone say, or you can go to our website, which is right here below us at www.impactci.org. Just hit that donate button and it's going to take you right where you need to go. Hey guys, God is still faithful no matter what's going on around us. God is still faithful. We love you guys. That's all the announcements I have for you. So let's go ahead and tune in to our pastor, Pastor Donna. Donna mentioned the anointing and Chris mentioned the lack of food and all the fears that are being perpetrated in our nation. And as he was talking about that, I thought about Genesis 26. When Isaac planted in a time of famine... And the word says that he got forth a hundredfold return. Let me tell you, it's not about the seed. It's not about the soil. It's about the blessing and the anointing on what we do. Even in a time of famine, even in a time of difficulty. See, the Philistines had the same ground. They had the same seed, but they didn't have the anointing. They didn't have the blessing of God. And Isaac had that blessing and he reaped a hundredfold in that year. What are you expecting to receive? Don't speak what you have. Speak what God's promise says. And his word promises that we, he is our provider. His word promises that we will not lack any good thing. So God, we thank you for that. And we thank you for all. Thank you for the prayers, Chris and Donna. That was beautiful. So I'm going to be ministering today on a topic I've never thought about until Tuesday of this week. And the Lord dropped this down into my spirit, and it's kind of a strange question to ask for a Sunday morning. Are we quarantining the wrong virus? Are we quarantining the wrong virus? And, and I, I thought about Jude 3 through 5, and I want to I read this to you. But it says, Dearly loved friends, I, am full, I was fully intending to write to you about our amazing salvation that we all participate in but felt the need instead to challenge you to vigorously defend and contend for the beliefs that we cherish. And I could just see Jude, he was all excited. He was ready to write that letter and send it out to the peoples. I want to, let's just celebrate the great things that God has done for us. He said, but instead I need to switch gears and I, we need, we need to talk about this, this faith that we're losing. We need to talk about this. We need to defend our faith. We need to contend for the beliefs of the church and the, and the faith that we have, that has been given to us. And then he says, there has been some who have sneaked in among you unnoticed. So, is he, you think, is he talking about today? Now, this was just maybe 20, 30 years after the resurrection. Was he, you know, some have sneaked in unnoticed. And then it says they are depraved. That word depraved means morally corrupt or wicked. He says, these who slipped in among us are morally corrupt or wicked, whose judgment was prophesied in Scripture a long time ago. They have perverted the message of God's grace into a license to commit immorality and turn against only our only absolute master, our Lord Jesus Christ. That word perverted means to alter the state of something from which it was first intended. So these people crept in unnoticed, they were depraved, they were morally corrupt, and they perverted the beautiful message, the pure message of, message of the gospel. I need to remind you, even though you are familiar with it all, that the Lord Jesus saved his people out of Egypt, but subsequently destroyed those who were guilty of unbelief. 
We live in a time today when there's a lot of controversy over, is God in all this coronavirus or is it just a happenstance? Did this thing just spring up out of China or is it just, is God's hand really involved in this coronavirus? And I have my own opinion and I'm sure all of you out there have your opinion. But the main thing is, what does the word of God say? What does the word of God say? And I, and I was, you know, being a, an ex-scientist, I, I love researching science, scientific thoughts and concepts. And, and I, I thought, well, okay, let's just see what a virus is really all about. So I did a little research and came up with this uh, guy, Dr. Louis P. Villarreal. And he was a professor of biology and biochemistry at the University of California. His specialty is viruses. And this is what he says about viruses. And I want you to think about this also in a spiritual context. He said, viruses today are thought of as being somewhere between living and non-living. They're not alive, they're not dead. They're somewhere between the two. Viruses cannot reproduce on their own. And they must find a cell to enter into before they can replicate themselves. So there has to be a connection. There has to be a conception that virus is floating around dormant until it finds a cell that will accept it called a host cell. Viruses also greatly affect the behavior of their host cell. Listen to this. This is his own words. A virus is a molecular parasite dependent on its host for its maintenance and its replication. You know, the devil's a parasite, isn't he? Evil spirits are parasites. When a vi- Listen to this. This is incredible. When I read that, I could not believe that a scientist was writing these words. I could, I could think of scripture, scripture. When a virus enters a cell called a host after it's infected, it is far from inactive. You know, the enemy's constantly at work, isn't he? He's looking for some way to get in. That's what First Peter tells us. Listen to this. It has, a, it has a protein coat around it. So when it enters in and it gets connected to that host cell, the first thing it does is shed its coat, its disguise. See, the virus is disguised with that protein coat. So the first thing it does is it sheds its coat, it bears its genes, and it induces the cell's own replication machinery to reproduce the intruder's DNA or RNA and manufacture more viral protein based on the instructions in the viral nucleic acid. I know that's a lot of scientific mumbo-jumbo. What it's saying is that virus comes, it strips away its disguise, It bears its genes, you know, it tells you what it's here for, and it starts infecting, and it starts infecting, it starts replicating, it starts reproducing its own nasty, ugly DNA. And then it says the newly created viral bits assemble, and voila, more uh, more viruses arise, which may also infect other cells. Now, I just came up with a layman's term definition of all of that. I just want you to, you know, (laughs) this this is the way I interpreted it. So in a layman's term, a virus is a parasite that comes disguised with a cloak around it. Once it gets into a healthy environment, it sheds its cloak of disguise and bears its genes or its destructive intention and begins to infiltrate its host with its own bad DNA, causing weakness, sickness, and other behavioral challenges. Is that not, is that not what's happening with this coronavirus? Is that not what's happening when sin enters into a person's life? You know, a long time ago, the Lord, when, we're, when I was doing some teaching or studying on the uh, sin nature, and the Lord said to me, it's like a virus, it's, it lies dormant until there's something in a person that's attracted to that sin nature. And then, voila, there it is. That virus attaches itself, and that sin nature begins just to pour itself into that person. 
Let me read Jude 3 and 4 again. It says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once all delivered to the saints. We have to contend for what our faith, guys. We can no longer be passive Christians. We can no longer have church as usual. We can't come out of here and go back to the old normal. And then it says, For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. So much like a virus creeps into our atmosphere or environment looking for a host, so does sin creep into our life and has crept into our nation. It has crept into our nation. And that's what I want to talk about. It strips off its disguise. And you know, do you see how bold sin is today? Some of the things that were just considered just, just uh, abhorrent, now it's just open on TV, it's open in movies, people have no, no shame, they, they don't care. And so it's, it's stripped off its disguise and it's bearing its genes, it's bearing its true intention, it's bringing destruction to the lives of people. And I said it's, first like, it's just like First Peter 5, 8, it says the devil's roaming around looking, looking for a host receptor. The devil's walking around looking for some way that he can pump his old sinful, nasty DNA into a healthy, believing believer and, and, and destroy their lives. Bring weakness, bring sickness. That's what he's doing. And I believe there's been a counterculture move inside the church through many years throughout the ages to rebel against the biblical values that's established in the Word of God. There has been a counterculture. I've seen it in my life, but it didn't start just in my life. It started many, many years ago. When Jude wrote this, like I said, this is the first century A.D. of the church. So we're, we're, this is not something new. The enemy has never, he, he never has a new trick. What he has is he has new suspects. He has new people that he's trying to, to influence in a negative way. And so I believe that still today a major issue in the church is the enemy trying to trying to come into a church, bring his perverted gospel, and create a weak, diseased church who is no longer powerful and can do the things that it's created to do. And so the church is supposed to represent the kingdom of God. Let me tell you something. The church is the only answer to the evil in the world. Do we believe this? The church is the only answer to the evil in the world. In the world, Matthew five thirteen and 16 says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that may, they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We are supposed to be the, the preserving, purifying flavor that's in the earth today. We are supposed to be representing the kingdom of God. And light, what does light do? A light eliminates darkness. And I thought about this scriptures in Matthew six twenty three. And I thought, what if the church thinks it's light, but it's not? Do you ever think about that? What if the message of the church, the church says this is light, but it's really not light, it's darkness? Matthew 6, 23 says, But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. Now listen to this next part. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. If the light that you think you have is... And that's where I believe a lot of the church is today. Is the light we think we have really darkness? Well, what is our standard? 
And does this even disturb us that it could be true? That we might think we're having, we have light when in actuality, in context to the kingdom and to the true word of God, it's darkness. As I said, what was once abhorrent, what was once considered perversion is now commonplace. It's now commonplace. We view things that are viewed as entertainment. Things are, are laughed about that was once considered abhorrent to God and unholy. What causes perversion? It's only caused when a culture begins to embrace a concept or a belief about something that is was once held as holy or, or uh, as I said, abhorrent to God. So when, when we become perverted, that means simply that the human nature, the human behavior deviates from that that was once considered the standard or orthodox. Does it make sense what I'm saying? Although the term perversion can refer to a variety of forms of deviation, typically it refers to sexual behavior. Typically it refers to sexual behavior. So when the majority change their opinion about something on what is holy and begin to accept what is unholy as acceptable, then our definition of perversion, what is perversion, changes. Just for example, abortion. You know, that's a that's a sticky wiki for me. You know, before, uh, 50 years ago, no, 100 years ago, I won't even say 50 years ago, 100 years ago, the thoughts of murdering a baby in the womb was considered unholy. Who would think of doing such a thing? But yet, see, slowly the enemy has introduced his his nasty, putrid DNA into the life of the even the church, and now we have over 60 million babies that have been slaughtered in the womb. Because suddenly we've changed our mind that what was once was darkness is now light. What about marriage? Marriage was once considered to be a holy union. And now by many it's considered to be a non-necessity. We just live together. Marriage is not sacred. Marriage is not holy. How about the sexual agendas of the day? You know, what was once considered Holy sexuality within the marriage is now it's now considered oh it's just a matter I mean you might as well try it out I had some one Christian say well how do I know if I'm going to like it if I don't live with him first talking about sex I said where have you been all these years that you've been in this church this was many years ago the point is that whatever a society or a group of people accept accept as a majority will determine the culture of the nation. Whatever we accept, whatever a church accepts, if our church, which would never do this, begins to accept that abortion is okay, homosexuality is okay, then the culture of this church would change from a holy culture to an unholy culture to a perverted gospel. And what happens to that? We know that when the darkness, it says it's going to become a very deep darkness, it affects so many people. Just that one, you know, slipping in of that that abortion issue, and how many people has it affected? Not only just the 60 million babies, but so many of the women struggle now with emotional health because of that choice to to destroy their child. After they've had time to get back and think about it, what have I done? And especially now when they see the child is truly a living being from the point of conception. Thank God for the grace of God and the mercy of God. So when the church adopts light, darkness as light, how great is that darkness and how destructive is it? And I believe as the church goes, so goes our nation. I think the reason we have seen so much uh, of this perversion in our own nation is because the church has been asleep. And we've talked about this before. 
When the church adopts darkness as light, we're in trouble. I want to ask you, are we quarantining the right virus? Are we quarantining the right virus? When the church falls asleep and the moral corruption of our culture is, is, or the moral compass of our culture is no longer present, where does that leave us as a nation? When the foundations are destroyed, what will the righteous do? That's the word of God. When the foundations are destroyed, Psalm 9, 17 says, The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. As the church goes, so goes the nation. Matthew 13, 25 says, But while his men were sleeping, the enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat, and he went away. What happened to the church? They caused Jude, even in these early years, and even Jesus, while he was still on the earth, what happened in the church that they so passionately tried to warn and protect the people? Are we quarantining the wrong virus in our churches? What about the virus that has inflicted the church? I think in this time that we're in, it's time to pull aside and quarantine ourselves from the influence of these viruses that has, that has been afflicting the church. I want to ask you, what are the symptoms of a church that has had a viral attack on it? What are some of the symptoms? And there's, there's much more than this, but I'm thinking back just from early Christian history. I want to give you some characteristics of a church that might be under the influence of a virus. Okay? Number one is the church, became, the church became a place or a building instead of a holy people called apart and separate. Suddenly the church is no longer a holy people, but it's a building. It's a place. It's a place where weekly events or productions take place. This, this is going to be a little tough for some people, I know. It's a place where people are spectators instead of participators. It's a place that is more like a social club than a fellowship where people are accountable one to another. They're no longer a place of prayer and healing and supernatural power. It's sterile. It's weak. It's, it's an organization that has no life-bearing power. It's when the church became a business where success is measured by numbers and budgets, nickels and noses, as they say. Where the success of a church is measured by numbers and budgets rather than spiritual growth. The Lord asked me several years ago, he said, you want a large church or a healthy church? I said, I want a healthy church. I want a healthy church. Can you have both? I don't know. I didn't ask the Lord that. I said, I want a healthy church. I want a place where people are growing spiritually. I want a place where people are overcoming, where the devil is not you know, robbing their, their finances and, and taking out their children and destroying their marriages. That's the, that's the kind of place that, that we want as a church. Is the church became a place where professionals conduct all the ministry rather than equipping the saints to go out and do the work of ministry. It's where clergy and, and the secular became very distinct groups. And there's no such distinction in the, in the Word of God. No such distinction. The church became a place where services... Now listen to this. You may not like this. You're going to like it in here. But it's a place where services, sermons, songs, prayers are scripted and choreographed rather than a message received from somebody being on their face before God. Everything is scripted. Everything is timed. And there's a time and a place for structure. We're not saying that. But can the Holy Spirit have, does he have 
freedom to move inside of our church services. The church became a place of segregation rather than whosoever will let them come. A place where they were divided by denomination or race or politics or socioeconomic levels. That's the church. The church became a place that sits quietly on the corner and rings their church bell every Sunday instead of being an army of people who go out and and they say no to the evils of the culture. An army of people that's going to turn their city upside down. See, that's the real church. Who run from conference to conference to conference looking for that feel-good feeling. Just I just want to get a nugget when instead of being on my face in front of God and saying, God, show me, tell me, speak to me. That's a church. That's a church that has been attacked by the virus of the enemy. I want to read a quote by Martin Luther King. It says, The church must be reminded that it is not the master or the servant of the state, but rather the conscience of the state. It must be the guide and the critic of the state and never its tool. If the church does not recapture its prophetic zeal, it will become an irrelevant social club without moral or spiritual authority. There was a time when the church was very powerful. It was during that period that the early Christians rejoiced when they were deemed worthy to suffer for what they believed in. In those days, the church was not merely a thermometer, but that recorded the ideas and the principles of popular opinion. See, the church set the opinion. The church set the standard. The church said this is wrong. And the culture listened to the church. No longer does it do that. Churches are embracing culture. I have pastors that embrace the homosexual agenda and say it's of God. I have pastors. I know pastors. I don't have pastors. I know pastors. Let me correct that. I don't have pastors that do that. I know pastors. I know pastors that will accept the abortion issue as, well, that's, it's okay with God. And they, they'll quote scripture. They'll twist scripture. And then it goes on to say, Wherever the early church Christians entered a town, the power structure was got disturbed and immediately sought to convict them for, for being disturbers of the peace. When's the last time you were accused of being a disturber of the peace? I'm not talking about breaking laws. I'm talking about, you know, the status quo Christianity. And outside agitators. But they went on with the conviction that they were a colony of heaven and had to obey God rather than man. I'm not calling for an uprising. I'm not calling for a revolt. I'm just saying, let's just get back to the word. It's time for the church to be the New Testament church. Let me tell you, you don't have to break the laws to get God's word across. You don't have to break the laws to see the power and glory of God. You, you let the church make, make the provision for people that are starving and people that are, get, that are dying. And, and things are going to change. People are going to stand up and take notice. But when the church is powerless, nobody wants to hear what we have to say. When it's all about numbers and no, no power, who cares? We have those at ball games, don't we? We have those at clubs. We need power in the church. We need for somebody to stand up and take notice that, hey, we are different. There's something different about that church on the corner, Spring and Cabarrus. People are getting healed. People are getting saved. People are getting delivered from the, the demonic influences. People are coming out of addiction. That's what we need to be hearing. It says they were, listen to this, they were small in number but big in commitment. This was Martin Luther King still. They were too God-intoxicated to be astronomically intimidated. I love that. They were too God-intoxicated to be astronomically intimidated. I'm telling you, you get enough of God, you don't care what anybody says or thinks or does. You don't care if they like what you say. They brought to an end such, listen to this, ancient evils as infanticide. And what have we done? We picked them right back up again. Infanticide. And gladiatorial 
gladiatorial contest. Things are different now. The contemporary church is often a weak, ineffectual voice with an uncertain sound. It is so often that the arch supporter of the status quo, far from being disturbed by the presence of the church, the power structure of the average community is consoled by the church's silent and often vocal sanction of things as they are. Let me read that last sentence. The contemporary church is often a weak, ineffectual voice with an uncertain sound. It is so often the arch supporter of the status quo. For, for, for from being disturbed by the presence of the church, the power structure of the average community is consoled by the church's silent and often vocal sanction of things as they are. I want to know, are you, it starts with individuals, are you satisfied with things as they are? There's something inside of us, that just, you know, we've been told we have a pioneering spirit. Well, there's something inside of us that's just not satisfied with the way things are. We're just not satisfied with status quo Christianity. We're just not satisfied with, with babies being destroyed in the womb. We're not satisfied with, with gay pride marches in our city. We love these people. We want these people to know Jesus. That's what they need to know. But too many times we're afraid to speak out because you know, this is what the Word of God has to say. We're too silent. The church is the only answer to the evil in the world. And the God-empowered church is the only power greater than the evil in the world. And I believe that the enemy crept in, and while the church was sleeping, the world became very successful. The world's agenda, man's driven enterprise rather than Holy Spirit, was present. Empowering life, it became, instead of an empowering life organism, it became an organization that has no power, all structure, weak. And we fell asleep, and the church became weaker, and the church became weaker. And I believe, as I said, the church is the answer to the world's problems. Are we quarantining the wrong virus? Are we quarantining the wrong... Have we become so blended with the world that we don't even understand or hear the voice of the Lord today? Let me say that again. I started to say something. i got to check. I better not say it. Are we so entertained by the world and so blended with the world that we can no longer hear the voice of God and what he's saying today? We don't need a message that was preached five months ago, five years ago, ten years ago. We need a now word for today. We've had all the prosperity messages. We've had all the healing messages. It's time for the church to walk in some of the stuff that we've been taught. And it's time for the church to be the church. We need to hear what God is saying today. And there's many well-meaning people, pastors and leaders, that are not hearing from God because they don't want to hear from God. Their ears have been silenced. They're still preaching that same old message that was preached 20 and 30 and 50 years ago. I'm telling you, the world is not the same as it was 20 and 30 and 50 years ago. I want to ask this. Do we speak the language of the world or do we speak the language of God? One of my favorite scriptures is in Nehemiah 13. And it says, And in those days also saw I, I Jews that had married wives of Ashdod and Ammon and Moab. This is Nehemiah when he came back into Jerusalem. He came back and he found a lot of chaos. And, and the people that, that were there, the priests, had not done the things they should have done with the temple. And they were using the temple for wrong purposes. And, and actually, he said, you no longer hold in awe and in reverence God. And that's where the church is at today. The church no longer holds God in awe. The church no longer honors God the way he should be honored. You know, we just come up and God's this big, happy, fat daddy. And we just sit on his lap and pluck his beard and he's going to give us anything we ask. That is not biblical. 
God is a loving father, but let me tell you, he's also a righteous judge. And God will judge sin, and he'll judge the sin of this nation. He'll judge the sin of this nation. Let me tell you what the word Ashdod, the root of that means, to spoil. He said, I came back in and the Jews had married wives of Ashdod. That root word is to spoil. It's the place in 1 Samuel where the presence of God was stolen. And then he says Ammon. The root word of Ammon represents a tormenting, cruel people who attend to curse what God is doing. That's powers and principalities want to curse what God is doing and they use people to do that. Oh, they're, they're out of, they're out in left field or, you know, this not, you know, that's just, we need to get balanced. We need to make people happy. We want people to feel good when they leave church. Let me tell you, I'd rather them feel good for the rest of their life. I'd rather them feel good in eternity. I'd rather people get the truth and be set free and, and have that, that continual sense of satisfaction and peace that God offers. And then he said in Moab, and the root for the Moabites is idolatry and hatred. Have you ever seen such hatred? Have you ever seen, and it was total, have you ever seen such confusion? Just turn on the TV if you want to see confusion. Have you ever seen, have you ever seen where the presence of God just seems like it's just lifted in some places? And we're more interested in entertaining than we are in, in changing people's lives and transforming. We do what seems right because darkness has now was once light. Light has become darkness and we just do what seems right in our own minds. Are we hearing the true voice of God? Are we hearing the voice of the world? And do we know the difference? I want to ask you, how do you think is the best way to get rid of a natural virus? You usually go to the doctor and say, well, there's nothing we can do. You might as well just have to write it out, right? That's what we're told. You just have to write it out. So what do we do? We quarantine ourselves and we boost up our immune system. Same is true for a spiritual virus. Same type of thing. And I believe we're in a place we've never been in in the history of the church before. And I believe we've been placed in a divine pause, as some of the prophets have said, and that we're in a place of spiritual quarantine. And whether you believe God brought this or allowed this corona, ever how you want to say it, whether you, whatever you believe about it, it makes no difference to me. You have to reckon, if you have ears to hear, you have to know that God has put us in a place where he's asking us, asking the church to slow down, to reflect, to refocus, to re-examine our relationship with God and to refine our spiritual practices. You can't not see that if you're a believer, if you've got the Holy Spirit in you. And during a quarantine, we need to isolate ourselves from what contaminates us. When you, if, you've got, if you know the, an environment, and that's what we've been asked to do, social distancing, right? We don't want to go into an area where, there's, where it's, you know, it's an active virus. Well, the same thing. What is it that's contaminating our lives? You have to decide that for yourself. As we sit quietly with God, as we seek His God, what is contaminating my life? What is it that I, what is it that's getting triggered in my life? What do I need to eliminate from my life? But are we using this time to, to binge on TV? I hear a lot of people saying they're gaining weight during the, during the quarantine. Well, that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. But what are we doing? Are we binging on, on movies and TV and all the stuff that's contaminated us in the, in the first place? Are we filling our spirit with, with God or are we filling our spirit with the world? We have to ask ourselves that question. In Ezekiel 22, you'll probably know what I think about this virus when I give you these scriptures, Okay. Ezekiel twenty two thirty through 31 says, I look for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness. 
God is looking for people in this nation that will rebuild the walls of righteousness. God is looking for people that will rebuild the church to be a holy place with a holy people and not just a building that has no life in it, no power in it. God's looking for a people. He said, I look for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so that I would not have to destroy the land. But I found none. I found none. I think there's a lot of people today in this nation that are seeking after God with all of their heart. I believe it. I know it. I see them. And I know we're part of that. We desire to know God. We want to see what God is doing. We want to be a part. Just our, We want our part in the wall, don't we? Study the book of Nehemiah. It's beautiful. We do our part in the wall, what God has assigned to us. And then it says, So now I will pour out my fury on them, consuming them with the fire of my anger. I will heap on their heads the full penalty for all of their sins. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. This is the way I believe. If God judged sin that way in the Old Testament, how will he judge it now when we rebel against the incredible gift of grace that he has given to us through Christ? See, Jesus isn't just some big sponge that soaks up everybody's sins and we don't have to be held accountable for them. You know, grace is not, is not just doing whatever we want to do. Grace is God's re, re, uh, his reaction to our repentance. Grace is his reaction or his response to our repentance. So we need to boost our immune system, just like we do our physical bodies. How do we do that? We spend time in the Word. We spend time in prayer. We spend time in worship. We spend time in solitude, in silence, in fasting. What are you doing during this time? We've been told now we've, it's going to be extended for a while here in North Carolina. What are we doing with that time? Don't waste another day, right? We need to educate ourselves on some natural aspects of, of financial control. How about just good health practices? We also need to put some things in order. We need to simplify our lives. We talked last week about resetting. You know, we need to renew that passion that we have for God. We need to eliminate baggage. We need to simplify our life. We need to enlarge our vision. We need to train ourselves for godliness. God, we're hearing a lot of people say, reset, reset, reset. God wants us to reset, but not to reset to where we were, but to reset to the place He wants us to be. He said in Jeremiah, He says, I want you to stop and I want you to look around and I want you to choose the right path, right? This past Wednesday night, we talked about unforgiveness and the baggage that it brings into our life. And, you know, I've seen some Christians who feel justified in their unforgiveness, and that's a sin. It's where they've turned light into darkness. I'm justified because of what this person did to me. That's sin, and it'll block our blessings from God. It's very clear. We need to ask God, God, what's in my heart? We need a time to reflect on where we are going as a as a as an individual, but also as a church and as a city and as a nation. Where are we going with God? We need to ask what needs to change in my life. I love this quote by Leo Tolstoy. He said, Everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing himself. We need to change the world. We need to change our city, but I don't want to change. Let someone else do it, right? I want to ask you, you quarantining the wrong virus. Are you quarantining the wrong virus? You know, the prophets have predicted that God is shaking the nations. I heard, and I mentioned to this last week, one of the prophets that I respect said, God is shaking the nations of the world. And then there's going to come a calm. And then there's going to come a second shaking. And he said, during that calm is where the harvest should happen. Let me tell you something. What happens? Let me tell you what happens if during the calm... The people of God become the people they're supposed to be. Do you think God could possibly change his mind on shaking the second go-round? 
Let me give you chapter and verse. Jeremiah 18, 7 and 8. If I announce that a certain nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down and destroyed, but that nation renounces its evil ways, I will not destroy it as I had planned. Jeremiah 26, 13. But if you stop your sinning and begin to obey the Lord your God, He will change His mind about this disaster that He has announced against you. What if in this time now, this, this quarantine time that we're in, the church becomes a living church? The church becomes a holy body, a set-apart body. The church becomes intercessors for, for the lost. The church begins to, to get rid of the evil that, that it has embraced so readily in the world. We no longer are absorbing the culture of the world, but we're taking, we only want kingdom culture. We only want God's culture. Joel 2, 13 and 14. Don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. See, it's easy for, you know, we like to fast. Well, I want everybody to know that I'm fasting, right? I want everybody to know how hard it is on me. I'm so spiritual. He says, but don't, don't tear your clothing, tear your hearts. Return to the Lord your God, for He is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. This is the God we serve. Filled with unfailing love. He's eager to relent and not punish. Who knows? Perhaps He will give you a reprieve, sending you a blessing instead of this curse. Perhaps you will be able to offer grain and wine to the Lord just as you did before. And one final scripture, I know you're very familiar with this, but we always omit the first verse. Verse 13 of Second Chronicles 7 says, At the times I might shut up the heavens, who did it? God. So that no rain falls. Well, God wouldn't do that. He says He does. Or command grasshoppers to devour your crops. God wouldn't do that. He says He does. Or send plagues among you. Then if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sins, and restore their land. It's a promise from the Word of God. I want to ask us, are we quarantining the right virus? We should be more concerned about the condition of our souls than we are even our jobs and our businesses. We should be more concerned about, am I in right standing with God, than I am about what's going on outside in the world. Let me tell you, we get all that right on the inside, the the world's going to fall into place. If we repent and turn from our wicked, he says, I'll heal your land. That's a promise from the Word of God. And I want us to ask ourselves, are you quarantining the right virus? Are you binging on the world's delicacies, even in your quarantine place? I've heard people say, I'm binging on Netflix. Shame on you if you're a believer. Should be binging on the Word of God. We should be binging. I mean, binging on prayer and binging on and, you know time with God, fasting, as seeking God's face. You think this is a hard message, Donnie? You better believe it is. But we're in a hard time that we're in. It's time to quit playing church, guys. It's time to get serious about our walk with God. It's time to become the church God called us to be. It's time to turn this city upside down. It's time to bring deliverance into the lives of people. We deal with addicted people all of the time. All of the time, we deal with addicted people. And they're good people. But they, they've never been told, hey, there's an answer for you. Their answer is going into rehab or in, in you know inpatient therapy or coming to a group for six months or a year. Just give them the one-step plan. Let's lay hands on them and deliver demons out of there. Paul Costa, great prophet, he's gone with the Lord now, prophesied back in, I think it was 06 or 07, 
He said, the glory of God is going to come out of this place so strong. He said, I see it going down the streets of Concord. And and this is what he said. And the addicted are going to be set free just like that because of the glory of God that's present. Can we believe for that? Or do we just want same old, same old Christianity? You know, I don't have time to play. You know, I tell that. I said that to someone recently. I don't have time to play this game anymore. We're either going to be the church or we're not going to be the church. We're going to do what God's word says or we're not going to do it. Let's let's decide which side we're going to be on. Okay? Now, if you don't like this message, you call me. And I'll be happy to talk to you. And I'll be happy to pray with you. But this is the word of the Lord. Father, I thank you, Father, for, for I just thank you for your presence today. God, I pray that your people will wake up, Lord. Lord, while while your church was sleeping, this nation was plowed under. This is not doomsday. Lord, it's facts. We look at the facts, Father God. There's a lot of great churches, a lot of great people, Father God. And Lord, we thank you for those people. And we just ask you, Father God, to bless those people. I ask you to strengthen the body of Christ. I ask you to wake up believers. Father, we just break off a spirit of apathy in the churches and on the believers, Father God. We ask you to just break off a spirit of slumber that's on the churches and on your people, Father God, that have been put to sleep by the the comforts of the world, Father. Let us not be satisfied just sitting back and sucking on a pacifier, Father God. Let us get out and do the work of God in our communities. Let us reach the lost. Let us have a passion for the lost, Father God. You came to seek and save the lost, Lord Jesus. Let us have passion and compassion. Let us not stop, Father God. Let us not stop by the first word of discouragement that the enemy presents. Let us not stop and be slowed down, Lord, by resistance of the enemy, Father God. Lord, we plow through. We can run through a troop and jump over a wall because of the power of God within us, because of the joy of the Lord that's within us. God, we thank you, Lord. I just pray for your people. I pray for the churches of our city to wake up and arise, Lord, and become that place that you've called us to be. God, that we're not just organizations, but we're life-bearing organisms. We're, we're powerhouses. We're houses of prayer. We're houses of dunamis power, Father, where people can come and, and it, when they've been given that death sentence, we can lay hands on the sick and they recover. When the addicted truly are set free, Lord, thank you, Father, for the word of God that, that assures us that that is a possibility, Lord. God, we're so, so thank you, Father, for all you do for us. We just praise your mighty name and we bless you, Lord. In Jesus' holy name. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, God. Hey, thanks for joining us today for our Impact Church Online. Hey, if you got saved today or if you have a prayer request or if you just need to talk, Give us a call or send us a message. We love you guys and we miss you and we will be seeing you soon.